and welcome to Dispel Magic, the podcast where we overthink how the magic of D&D might shape your campaign in surprising and unexpected ways. I'm Benjamin, game designer and writer. And my name's Dane. I'm a dungeon master, podcaster, and voice actor. Today's episode. Another spell nobody wants to take. Uh, I wouldn't nobody, say that. Nobody... I, this is I one of my the, personal favorite spells, actually. Yeah, but you've got nostalgia for it, right? Right. Almost purely entirely from nostalgia, yeah. Okay, we're doing Tensor's Floating Disc. Right. Let's not beat around the disc about this. Right. What What about it makes you nostalgia kick? I, you know, back in the day when you played AD&D, that people were actually caring about encumbrance and all that stuff. So it was a useful spell back then. You really mm. had to be thinking about it. And... At level one, you probably didn't have the money to buy a horse or any henchmen to carry your stuff around. So Tensor's Floating Disc was how you got all that sweet loot out of the dungeon. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. Nowadays, you just carry it. Yeah. Yeah. I took this spell by accident in a recent campaign because it was a ritual spell. I was a, yeah. I was a warlock and I took this thinking I'd be able to stand on it and mm-hmm. I'd be able to zoom around or, you know. Whatever. You have a lot more utility if you could. Have any amount <laughs> do that. in this setting, it would have any amount. Yeah. I ended up using it to carry a dead body out of a sea cave. There you so, go. because it's pretty good. it would be tough to climb on the rocks and, yeah. you know, so it came in handy. It did. There you go. Uh, but at the same time, <laughs> we got, we got some tricks yeah, we, up we, our sleeves. Some things in the pipe, pipeline. It's coming down the pipe. Yeah. Coming down the pipe. It's in the pipeline. Disc pipe. Yeah. All right. Well, let me read the specifics of this spell. Tensor's Floating Disc is a first level conjuration spell available to wizards. It takes one action to cast, has a range of 30 feet, and a duration of one hour. The spell text says, This spell creates a circular horizontal plane of force, three feet in diameter and one inch thick that floats three feet above the ground in an unoccupied space of your choice that you can see within range. The disc remains for the duration and can hold up to 500 pounds. If more weight is placed on it, the spell ends and everything on the disc falls to the ground. The disc is immobile while you are within 20 feet of it. If you move more than 20 feet away from it, the disc follows you so that it remains within 20 feet of you. It can move across uneven terrain, up or down stairs, slopes, and the like. But it can't cross an elevation change of 10 feet or more. For example, the disc can't move across a 10-foot deep pit, nor could it leave such a pit if it was created at the bottom. If you move more than 100 feet from the disc, typically because it can't move around an obstacle to follow you, the spell ends. There you have it. There it is. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a carrying yeah. Apparatus. Right. Invisible, magical, carry 500 feet. I did not get the impression it was invisible. Oh, I, I always imagined it being invisible. I always imagined it being yellow. <laughs> it I've just say. always pictured it being yellow. Yeah, it doesn't say. It just says of force, huh? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, horizontal plane of force. But it would be weird if it wasn't. Because like it floats three feet above the ground. It would be like a tripping hazard. Mm-hmm. If it were invisible. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that it's invisible. I like the idea that it's yellow. Yeah. <laughs> so. Do you think the yellow comes from the old Dungeons and Dragons cartoon where like energy things? Would... I've never seen that. Oh, no. So okay. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Just like energy things I have being no idea yellow. why it would be yellow. 
I don't particularly like yellow as a color. Hmm. But that's what's in but your that's brain. That's just what's in my head. Yeah, I've always pictured it as yellow. Hey, uh, if you have an idea for what color Tensor's floating disc would be, you can tweet us at DispelMagicPod on Twitter. Can't wait to see... All those colors. Well, yeah, all the colors that we get <laughs> off that. So the expected uses of this are pretty expected. One Hauling expect. loot out of a dungeon, maybe moving substances that are dangerous or taboo to carry. You mentioned carrying a body out of a sea cave. You know, a lot of cultures would have restrictions around who can move a dead body or, or how that how it should be moved so somewhat mitigates that and then also another way in which you might have a dead body is might be your buddy that you got to pull out of this dungeon to get resurrected later yeah get thee to a temple yes oh boy or the other wizard because wizards at this level die real quick yeah i know you know i mentioned that i used to use this in ad and and i definitely had a wizard who was actually not strong enough to carry his own gear <laughs> And so use this to just as a method. Yeah, well, that's a, how he wa- how had he to walk around, around because um, he was yeah, weak. he was weak. Yeah, he was very weak. He was a weak, yeah. weak one. Because I rolled stats and I think I had like a six or a five strength or something. It was bad. Is that how stats worked back back in the day? As well, you well? can still roll stat. I mean, that's a variant rule, but mm. you can still do that in five E. But I, that was the norm back then. Interesting. In those days. In those days. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. Way back when. So. Because 5th edition and the way people are telling the stories these days, encumbrance is something people don't really want to deal with. It encumbers them in terms of storytelling. So what are some ways that you came up with for making this relevant? Yeah, well, I I wouldn't go so far as to call it relevant. That's That's a strong choice of word. Thank you. But I will talk about the shenanigans, mm, the unexpected uses, as I like to call it. Mm-hmm. And so a few things first. The shenanigans that stem from the spell, like like every spell with a ritual tag, it's going to somewhat rely on the ritual tag. There's no upper limit on how fast this thing can move. It has to follow you within 20 feet, but however fast you're going, it's going to follow you at that speed. Yes. No friction. Right. How it stops, it can't move more than 10 feet of elevation change. How it starts, it automatically moves to remain within 20 feet of you. And how the spell ends, if you're more than 100 feet away from it. A lot of those we're not going to get super into, but you can imagine, like, for instance, making the spell end. There's probably some traps you can set up around that, putting something on Tensor's floating disc and then getting 100 feet away when you know a person is underneath it Hmm. or whatever. Easy way to drop a sphere of annihilation if a sphere of annihilation will sit on top of a Tensor's floating disc. Those are going to be all the things you'll think about when you're thinking about how to make this more Looney Tunes type it uh, is, shenanigans. Yes, yeah, very, yeah, pretty Looney Tunes. You make a precarious platform with a boulder on top of the disc, right? right. Oh boy. Or maybe like a bag of holding and you've got a portable hole on the ground and it's like <laughs> the tensile lane just drops and then the bag of holding goes into the portable hole and everybody gets thrown to the astral plane. Get them out of here. Yeah. The bulk of what we're going to be talking about today is, I don't want to name it yet and spoil the surprise. Oh yeah, so, no so, spoilers. So I will say the first thing we're going to talk about is that this spell can move however fast you do. An important part of the shenanigans. Yes. It can move however fast you do. The first thing we're going to be thinking about is how fast can we get you to go, right? I started by thinking you're definitely going to want to get two levels of rogue so that you can dash as a bonus action. This means easily going 90 feet a turn, because you can use your movement, 
Take the dash as your action, and then take the dash again as your bonus action. So you're moving 30 feet each time for 90 feet. That puts you at a little bit more than 10 miles per hour. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. You're hauling the 500 pounds worth of stuff on your tensor floating disc at 10 miles per hour. That's pretty good. We can do better. With oh, definitely. two levels in Monk or five levels in Barbarian, you'll get plus 10 to your movement speed. And that gets even more if you have more levels in Monk. Then you can also get targeted by uh, the Long Strider spell for another 10 feet. You can take the Mobile feet to get another speed increase of 10 feet. And if you were to play a Wood Elf, you've got a base speed of 35 feet instead of 30. I'd also like to bring up Tabaxi's. I didn't do all the math on that, but the Tabaxi has that ability that lets it move twice its speed. Feline agility. But then I think you have to not move to regain the use of it, which means that it essentially doesn't do anything for long distance running. I see what you're saying. Right, because you're moving twice as far in one turn to move not at all in the next. So... It would look really funny. Like you'd sprint for six seconds and then come to a dead stop and then sprint for six seconds and then come to a dead stop. That would be pretty hilarious. Yeah. But it, it, for the purposes of this. It and be and the efficient. momentum of the things on the disc <laughs> would just bowl you right yeah, over. Yeah, that's true. You wouldn't want to keep anything spherical on that disc. I, I don't even know about spherical. If you if you had a single barrel and you were going however miles yeah. per hour. Yeah, because you'd easily be, I mean, if you had two levels in Rogue, you'd easily be going 20 miles per hour for six seconds and then zero the next. That's a pretty start. Yeah, that's a pretty quick, quick stop. And that barrel, whatever's in it. That's true. Right. It's like the water and it just like yeah. sloshes. And then, yeah, that's pretty good. So there you go. Maybe there's, maybe there's, maybe there's some kind of momentum that. cannon thing you can do with it, with that. Um, if you guys figure, if anyone out there figures out a momentum cannon with the tabaxi and the tensors floating disc. Yeah, that, please. That sounds like please. a cool thing. What I was getting at with the levels in Monk or Barbarian, the uh, mobile feet, long strider, all that, is that it's pretty easy to, to get up to, at least temporarily, a 60-foot movement speed, which, again, with two levels in Rogue, is going to make you do 180. So now you're moving at over 20 miles an hour. Jesus. With certain combinations of those effects, that's pretty much for the whole time you're running, for the whole hour that you've cast the spell. You're going to be able to move 500 pounds worth of stuff 20 miles, and it's not going to rely on a cart or or anything like that. It's just, it doesn't matter what the terrain is like, as long as you can Simple get through it. Simple supply chain. Yeah. There's a few other things. Boots of speed will double your movement for up to 10 minutes each day. That essentially puts you up to 26 miles traveled in an hour with this. So maybe that's just currying things around a city or something. If you need to move a lot of cargo from a warehouse to a, a ship, you can do that really quick. It's pretty easy to move things like 100 miles or more a day. That wouldn't be inconceivable mm -hmm. using this. So using the a combination of these techniques, it's pretty easy to move whatever 500 pounds of goods you've got at least 50 miles, but maybe even more than that every day. And the amount you transport it really is more limited by the number of spell slots you have to cast Tensor's Floating Disc. And if you have the time to cast it as a ritual, then basically it's only limited by the hours in the day. There is a shortcut, of course, which is that if you don't want to do all that stuff, you could just buy a horse. <laughs> uh, interesting. Tell yeah, me more about right. this horse so, technology. So instead, so instead of going Rogue 2, Monk 2, Wizard 1, Variant Human Mobile Feet, just you could just buy a horse. Cut, cut out just the middleman and go right to the horse. Be a wizard and buy a horse. Yeah, all that time sunk into training, all that, all the sourcing of the items. And 
I mean, why are you going this speed, right? Why are you doing this? You're you're carting around cargo for someone, probably, right? right? Right. So, what's more cost effective, buying a horse or training somebody in monk and rogue, and right. <laughs> all yeah. of these things? Probably buying a horse. Probably buying. I a horse. I would guess buying yeah. a horse. But what's funny is that in real life. That was the last thing that occurred to me. Like it's last on this bullet point. Not and, and like I probably wouldn't have done all the work to find out all this other like miles per hour of all these builds. If you I had, just thought of a I horse. First thought of like oh horses. Now uh, Benjamin, does that say more about you or I think it says the spell? A lot more about me. Yeah. Okay. It says a lot more about me. <laughs> anyway, horses can run at about thirteen to fourteen miles per hour, at least in. D&D, I actually don't know about real life, mm-hmm. IRL. D&D is all that matters anyway. Yeah, but D&D is the only thing that we care about. So. Yeah, I, and o- then, I only know, care about D&D. And then there are things that you can do to increase the speed of the horse. You can cast Long Strider on it. There are other things. So Train the horse in Rogue. Train right. the horse in, exactly. in Monk. Yeah. Monk think, horse. Think big. Think bigger. Think bigger, dream bigger. Hey, listen, players, think big. We've established that there's a good way to move pretty far with your tensor floating disc. That seems like a useful thing. 500 pounds of stuff, one place to the next, not that long a time. Obviously better than a wagon, right? Right. Because with a wagon, you've got to deal with the road. It could like break down. It could break down. It's a target for people, all that kind of stuff. And this isn't even concentration. It's not even, con- no, it's not concentration. So you're getting punched in the face. Your, your disc holds firm. Yeah. Your yellow floating disc. Yes. And so we talked previously about how tele- with teleportation circle in the world, roads might not be that well-funded. Right. The existence of this spell at first level and as a ritual, I think makes it even less likely that roads will be funded. Because if you're a merchant, uh, a small-time merchant that can't afford whatever it costs to get part of a teleportation circle to get your stuff sent around... Right. You can just hire somebody who knows Tensor's floating disc to move it hundreds Start of miles, you know, per per day. So the roads would only be maintained enough for horses to be able right. to the, the bare minimum for horses, rather than full carts and walking, right, and things like that, right. And even then, if you had like free runners, if you wanted to move stuff through more difficult terrain, then you wouldn't hire horses. You would just have a slightly slower, like a runner right. who just runs with this, going through the, yeah. the underbrush. Hello friends, Dane here saying thank you for listening and sharing our show. Telling other people about Dispel Magic is the best way for us to grow, along with you rating and reviewing our show on whatever podcast app you use. We've also revamped our Patreon. Benjamin is writing monthly spells, there's a behind-the-screen show where we talk about our home games, along with other little extras we'll be sprinkling in here or there. So, if you like the show, please tell a friend, rate and review, and check out our Patreon. Thanks again for listening, and happy spelling. So that's good. That's very good. But it's only 500 pounds. Ah. Right? That's not super useful. It's good, right? What's that, but, three people? Three humans? Well, yeah, but we don't care about moving people, right? It's no. Not, we're not tra- it's not a passenger train. It's a freight train. Yeah. Train? Did you just say drops of Jupiter train? Tensors floating train what here's the real hack <laughs> listen up gamers <laughs> we've got a real hack gnomes and halflings weigh only 40 pounds okay okay so you get a bunch of gnomes and halflings 
you teach them tensors floating disc. Your mounted guy casts tensors floating disc. There's a tensors floating disc appears behind him. Yeah. Okay. Your first halfling wizard sits on that. Now that disc can only have 460 pounds of cargo, but he can create a tensors floating disc that falls behind him. My God. And it can only hold 460 because you got a gnome sitting on that one. Yeah. And just so on and so forth. So you've just got this huge line of tensors floating disc with a, the smallest possible spellcaster you can sitting on the previous one's tensors floating disc to just create this kind of and, uh, centipede or some sort of like long dis disconnected chain of a, a train. One might will. even call you it a train. You could call it a yeah, train. Yeah. Like a maglev train. Yes, it would look it would look a lot like a maglev train. What makes this even more functional is that the gnomes and halflings that are sitting on those flowing discs have nothing to do. They can keep on casting new tensors flowing discs as rituals. All they need to do is hang out. Just every 10 minutes they create a new floating disc for either to replace one that's about to expire from a previous casting or whatever else, maybe to just add more and more cargo. Yeah. So you can imagine that these might not even just be one column long, but like multiple yeah. columns of, of floating discs all going around. I, I feel like that opens you up to a lot of banditry. Uh, if you got these people concentrating on making more discs. Yeah. Well, uh, that's where I think you could even play with the fact that maybe these guilds or whoever organizes Tensor's Floating Trains don't have cutout horses and just use free runners. So they're not using standard paths. Yeah. Like, so highwaymen don't even know, wouldn't even know where to be to ambush them. So in this world, there'd be secret paths that people would like. Not even secret necessarily. Just a runner's like running through the woods yeah. across a region, like without well, a map the, or anything. Maybe, just... maybe the runners themselves, because having an optimal path is still going to be advantageous to, to what you're doing. So once you find a path that works for you, then like... Keeping that a secret is a high priority. Yeah. I mean, especially if they're idiosyncratic so that every runner has their own one. That's what I'm saying. Then it's going to be very hard for highwaymen to know where to set up to identify these things. Although if you've got a big enough group of bandits or whatever, you know, you can just scout all the... Yeah. But yes. What I'm seeing also is these uh, train cars are holding crossbows and they're or they're, trying they're, or to... they're sitting there with their sleep spells ready yeah you know like it, ban like too. bandits are not gonna be taking over your thing if all of a sudden there are like eight wizards casting sleep on their gang as they roll up 100 percent. like all their horses are just passing out underneath them as they like try to charge up on this thing impenetrable That's and great. the thing is is that even if a highwayman took out one of these things or successfully robbed one of these these things what are they going to do yeah, they've got they too much weight. Yeah, then are they going to be the um, their own their train, own, their own wagon or something? <laughs> but the wa there's not going to be a road because yeah. there's no reason for there to be a road. It's an interesting it's an interesting new dynamic that would occur in terms of these trade paths and hierarchy of runners. So people who know how to traverse better than yeah. others and probably be a pretty penny to hire these people as yeah. well. Yeah. No, I think that's. What is pretty funny to me is that there's two distinct jobs that this makes. One mm -hmm. is just small person. <laughs> like jockeys. Yeah. Well, like uh, train jockeys. Yeah. Train jockeys. And then there's the person riding the horse who you care less like what size they are yeah. and, and anything else. Because I mean, probably still them being small would be a good thing. But in the small math of D&D, &D, it doesn't make, make any difference. difference yeah. So 
I'm seeing like train schools teaching people the the tricks of yeah. being an engine and being a car. Right. And these are some survival techniques if you get stranded or f- for whatever reason. Right. Things you can expect. Right. That, that's that's a that's a fun one. There's probably like a second person in on the train. Yeah, that's shotgun. like the backup engine. Oh, sure. You know, like all else fails. And if your this, engine is incapacitated. Yeah, your engine is incapacitated in some way. Who's next up to be... stepping up? Or just the next car is tasked with... I mean, as an immediate, yes, as an immediate kind of like crisis resolution thing, you would want the second person because then the whole train is going to keep moving. You're going to lose whatever cargo was on that first disc. Right. But if if you save everything else, then that's fine. I'm imagining if you're doing something loose like ore or, you know, you've got your box. Yeah. But you want it to be as lightweight as possible. So maybe more like a basket or a cage. Yeah. And then that, that individual is just sitting on top of that, yeah. casting the next disc. So it's this long caterpillar of floating discs going down the way, yeah. winding its way through the forest. Yeah, so we've, talk, we've touched on this a little bit, but this is so much better than traditional transportation of goods in a lot of ways. So if you're, if you're going with a horse, the horse is going to be able to maneuver a lot better not tied to a wagon. So just like... Mm-hmm. Sort of getting around becomes a lot simpler. In general, sure. In general. Uh, obviously, that also it ta- is matters if you're not on a horse. Like, it's going to be easier for you to maneuver than to steer a wagon. There's a lot of um, terrain that's difficult for a, a wagon that's not going to be difficult for an, an, a... disc. A, a, well, yeah. For a person or for a horse. Um, we mentioned that wear and tear on a wagon can happen. Mm-hmm. Then also really importantly is that there's plenty of magic or ways of being um, immune to difficult terrain for a creature, but Mm. there's not really much magic to make an object or a vehicle immune to difficult terrain. True. So a lot of routes are opened up. Just get even fat, like beyond the like not needing to have roads or, you know, not worrying as much about that stuff. There's also the fact that the whole thing is just going to move a lot faster because there's not a wagon limiting how fast. So I see this as kind of a mid tier transportation where teleportation circles are for the better off the more well to do. And then this is like, you know, you're coming up as a merchant and you need to move. You're starting to make some big swings. Yeah, I don't, I think, so it could be about your status as a merchant. I think probably also there are some goods that you move one way and some oh, that you move another. Yeah. Maybe less expensive stuff, stuff that doesn't spoil. You'd throw on a tensor's floating train. Right. Whereas your teleportation circling things like fruit that grows in this one region of the world but not in the other and so is it so it sells incredibly well over there right and wouldn't survive a tensor's floating train dragon's blood you want to go through a diamonds i mean it, tons of stuff you you just don't want to even have that risk right the operational risk of putting it running it along the surface running of the, the train. earth yeah yes Running the train. Don't say that. Okay. But for a lot of stuff, and I mean, and maybe even, yeah, this is a passenger train at some point. I mean. Could be. That's a pretty hilarious mental image. Of just people kind of sitting around on a bare disc. A yellow disc. A bare yellow disc. I guess maybe in that case you have like every disc only seats one to two people. 
And you also cast Unseen Servant as a ritual and maybe have some coffee and some snacks there so that these they're just like chilling out. Well, while I see the that as business servant. class. You know, if, right. if you have a chair, then oh, you must have paid a little bit extra. Right. And then first class is you, you have an Unseen Servant as well. And, and they're pretty private discs, too. Like if you could find some way to put like a covering on top. Yeah, a light they'd, covering. They'd be pretty private discs because they're 20 feet apart from each other. Sure. So so like a covered wagon type of deal, yeah. like a Calistoga wagon with the, the big light light frame with the with the canvas over it. Right. The, I mean, the only thing is that you'd be sharing your disc with like a tiny person who was there to like cast the tennis flowing disc on the next one. But Unless that person is trained to be the servant and is making the coffee in the in the hour that in yeah. between. Yeah. Maybe like the most expensive disc on the train is probably the last one because you actually mm-hmm. have it all to yourself. That's true. Although then you wouldn't get the unseen servant uh, serving you stuff. Oh, so oh actually, boy. It's I tough. It's a tough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a difficult. It's up to the DM. Yeah. To I'll decide. It, yeah. Well, tweet us and let us know if you think... It's the most expensive, or if there's a discount because there's no one there to right. uh, offer amenities. I like that a lot. And, you know, there's a lot of, like, other silly stuff you can do. Mostly, like we were talking about, those Looney Tune traps. If more than 500 pounds gets on it, it also disappears mm-hmm. and ends. So there's lots of traps that you can set up like that. Trying to convince people you're a ghost. Right. Oh, yeah. I keep thinking that it's invisible, but it's yellow. My bad. I did. I thought you were doing some kind of Scooby Doo thing. It could be a Scooby Doo thing too. If your if your uh, cloak goes past the disc and it still looks like you're floating. Right. Well, I mean, you could just throw uh, a giant blanket over the disc mm. and it could float around. There you go. Magic Although it's only carpet, three right? feet off the ground, so it's just need enough to cover that three inch disc. I guess you could put a statue on the disc ah. and then throw a blanket over that. Spooky. And that could. That could be your magic you, mouth. Yeah, on the if statue. you wanted to have like you right there, you go magic mouth and statue. I think that would be a pretty fun DM adventure writing exercise is to try to create a Scooby Doo plot <laughs> using the spells yeah. and and. I could and see D&D. somebody running in the sewers underneath the road and having the disc above them. Oh yeah, that's a really great idea actually for sure. There, so yeah, I don't know. I had not considered that, but that being on two different. Yeah, levels. yeah. There can, so there might also be um, like smuggling stuff to do with that. I, I need to think about that now well, that you we brought that up. We talked about with Animate Dead, uh-huh. the secondary pa- parcel delivery service underneath the city where the skeletons go. Right. So you could maybe even use a tunnel system such as that. And people are just walking in. If you have a very cramped city, then that you can't move stuff through the city. So maybe you have a a tunnel system for this as well. But then can you imagine being on that city street and seeing a 500 pound like disc of stuff, like just flying around the city Well, I'm saying it's underneath. So the disc is underneath. This disc is underneath. So people are running through the streets while discs are moving through. I feel like... All that takes is two people going that opposite direction to have like a crash down there. And then like you wouldn't know it necessarily. Maybe not know it. I think that people would have to be designated as uh, like discers or something like that. And so, you know, you got to give them a wide berth. Right. They they know to give each other a wide berth. Maybe there's like multiple levels of tunnels or concurrent tunnels. And you've got to wear a certain color of shirt so that you know which tunnel which you're, you're which on. tunnel you're in so that you can't run past a person with a red shirt if you're wearing a red shirt cuz it's going to cause a collision. Right. And you're going to get fired. Yeah, you oh might. Oh boy. 
if they find out, if your boss finds out. Well, talking about jobs, uh, we discussed before recording, this would be a really great utility for any industry, not just delivering things, but just working in mines or foundries or what have you. So learning this spell, I see as being part of orientation or you brought up night classes. Yeah, well, we sort of talked about how like this would be a very expensive thing to train people in because presumably you're training them to become wizards which is probably a multi-year thing and usually businesses don't like to invest that much in their workers so i can imagine like you work in the mines all day and then your your job offers night classes where you can train to be a wizard so that you can join the tensors floating train that moves what's mined to the nearest city for processing or or at least around the facility right because i i could see moving 500 pounds of stuff yeah, around the yeah. facility being right. useful as well so yeah. maybe not if you're if you've got a family at home and you and you don't want to travel so much but you got to get out of this dead end job right. so you're going to learn tensor well, and the pays better yeah, the pay, you get a little bump a little, you get a, i mean there's a lot of dignity obviously there's I'm not saying there's not dignity in mining, but I am saying you get a little more respect, right? You just you get that you get a little more self pride as well. Well, for I just mean I think it probably affects your social status yeah. to move from a miner. You're on Team Tensor to yeah to a hedge mage. I would think that's a like social mobility. That's that's sure. an upward move, as I'm I'm guessing. And and. We've talked about a lot of other utility things like learning mending might be a part of this upward trajectory. Well, I think that'll probably wrap us up for Tensor's Floating Disc. Uh, If you have any other ideas of how Tensor's Floating Disc could uh, impact your setting, please let us know on Twitter. You can also email us, but we're at DispelMagicPod. Benjamin, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SterlingVermin or on the internet at SterlingVermin.com. And you can find me wherever you want, all over the place, at Dane in Danger. Just search it. You'll find it. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you again after your next long rest. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Dispel Magic. If this has inspired any ideas for your game, or you have another take on today's topic, please let us know on Twitter, at DispelMagicPod. You can find Benjamin at Sterling Vermin and Dane at Dane in Danger. Thank you to Slim Mittens for our cover art, produced by Benjamin Huffman, produced and edited by Dane Fox McGraw. <laughs>